First, it was Crocs and KFC. Now, it's Crocs and Hidden Valley Ranch. What crime against humanity will Crocs commit next? Uh, Tabitha, I want to start with you tonight. So, my brain power was functioning at like a solid zero today. So, thinking about anything creative was kind of outside of my realm of possibility. Um, but I posed the question to a coworker and literally no hesitation, like just literally no hesitation. Kid Rock Crocs. <laughs> um, she said the Croc accessories, which is evidently what the little things are called, would be a Bud Light bottle, a Rebel flag, a guitar, a gross fedora, and a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and the Crocs themselves would be in the pattern of the American flag. Or the Confederate flag? No, the Rebel flag would just be an addition oh, okay. as a Croc accessory. Okay. So this was not my idea, but it was better than literally anything I could come up with. And it was the promptness of like, she had been thinking about this for years. <laughs> it was just like, Kid Rock Crocs. So thanks, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was along the same lines. Um, mine, mine is also a musical artist, but uh, I did not come up with any Croc accessories. Uh, also, I'm really sad that I've said that out loud, um, but I'd like to see some Crocier West Crocs. I don't think you can call him that anymore, isn't he just yee now? <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like the whole Sears Tower, Willis Tower thing. Like, no, I'm still calling him Kanye West. I'm just and I think it's, it's yay. It's yay, <laughs> not yee. Whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna call him the Willis Tower. <laughs> Would his croc accessories be hanging out with rapists? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> too soon. And Matt, <laughs> <laughs> not not that you'd be hanging out with Kanye West. I I didn't want to suggest that. No, I would not. Oh my god. Um, so. I just went food because that's like KFC, Hidden Valley. I just continued the, the food trend. Um, and because they're owned by the same company, I don't see why they wouldn't extend their uh, collaboration to Taco Bell. Ooh. Taco, Taco Crocs. Croco Bell? <laughs> Here you go, Croco Bell. It'd be hard to run for the border in those, though. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you definitely have to think outside the shoe on that one. <laughs> Are we done? No, we're not. Uh. <laughs> the only problem with the croc accessories there is what happens when they change their menu. You have to change your croc accessories as well. <laughs> You, you can only have like the, the taco fries like what like once a year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like if they were McDonald's crocs, you'd have like a McRib and you'd have to like put it away <laughs> until it was McRib time and you could like get it out and then you could switch out your holiday pies. Yeah. Yeah. Monopoly. <laughs> oh monopoly. <pizza. laughs> As I'm I'm really worried that somebody who works with Crocs is listening in on this and like they're just stealing all of our ideas. Well, no. Hey, right? <laughs>
You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, Lydia, and Pickett. Alright, so we got a bunch to talk about today, and I wanted to just jump right in. We've got six trailers uh, going up against each other for trailer takedown, so let's just get started with that. Um, the first matchup is Halloween Kills versus Macbeth. Um, Matt, let's start with you. Mm, um, I don't... Th- I'm not a, necessarily a huge fan of Coen Brothers movies. They just seem a little bizarre to me. But like A24, Macbeth, I, uh, I'll take Joel Cohen being part of this because of the other two. Um, I like the black and white. I think this is going to play really interesting in black and white. Um, obviously, there's not a whole lot of plot as far as the trailer goes. But I mean, it's Macbeth. I think if you're watching an A24 film, you probably have a general idea of plot of Macbeth. Um, Halloween Kills. I have not seen a lot of the Halloween movies, but I really kind of love that in this trailer, you get the realization that people from the original movie are coming back um, more than just Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Michael Myers is probably never going to die. So the idea that this is, you know, again, the final Halloween movie, it's kind of laughable. Um, I think I am going to go six for Halloween kills and four for Macbeth, just because I want to see a longer, more in-depth trailer for Macbeth to see how like the filmmaking is going to play. Um, I agree with you on a lot of uh, a lot of those points, Matt. Uh, the black and white of Macbeth was stunning. Uh, I think that that is. Um, I think that that lends itself really well to the story of Macbeth. Uh, that was one of the things that I thought of when I was first watching the trailer. I was like, okay, there's like one line of dialogue, and you know, like, you know, anybody who doesn't know Macbeth has no idea what's going on. But at the same time, like, it's Macbeth, like. You either read it in high school or you pretend to read it in high school, you know, one or the other. Um, (laughs) uh, But it loses points for me because it's on Apple Plus or whatever, and that's one streaming service that I quite literally will never have. Um, And if I do ever have it, I'll be very surprised at myself. Uh, Halloween Kills. Um... I've never been a huge Halloween fan of the movie, obviously the, the, uh, the holiday itself. I'm a big fan of, but I've never been a huge fan of the Halloween movies. Uh, I don't dislike them. It's just, I don't know. It's just never really been something that I gravitate towards. Uh, that said, this trailer did look really cool. It was really cool seeing Jamie Lee Curtis and some of the original cast, you know, as well back. Um, and just kind of like, I guess uh, passing the torch or the you know machete or whatever, um, but <laughs> there was there was one scene where you know like I think it was Jamie Lee Curtis was trying to take off Michael Myers' mask, and if that does happen in the movie, I just really hope that it is actually Mike Myers under the mask. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, 
But that said, uh, I am giving Halloween Kills seven points and Macbeth three points. Uh, Tabitha. Um, yeah, this Macbeth looks incredible. Like, I'm always a sucker for a Shakespeare play turned movie turned film. This cast looks great. This looks like something I want to watch and be supremely uncomfortable about. Um, I also have a soft spot for the Halloween movies. I've seen them all multiple times. They're all fantastic. Um, however, this one looks a little like they're trying to do too, too much. They got too many, too many victims and I get that they're like coming back to take their vengeance or whatever. But it every like the last like three or four Halloween movies, they've been like, oh, it's the end of Michael Myers. But like, is it like where is the end of Michael Myers? Um, so I'm going to go six for Halloween and four for Macbeth. So with a score of 19 to 11, Halloween kills moves on. The next matchup is uh, Hawkeye on Disney Plus versus Finch on Apple TV Plus. Uh, the Hawkeye trailer was everything that I wanted it to be. Um, ever since they've announced that it was going to be a thing, and with the logo, I've always uh, was hoping that it was going to adapt uh, Matt Fraction's run on the comic series. Uh, and while it's not a direct adaptation because the two characters, the MCU version of Hawkeye is very different from the comics version of Hawkeye. Not very different, but different enough. There are some big differences, I guess is what I'll say. Um, so while it's not an exact um, adaptation, what we got, um, I just, I loved every second of it. Uh, we've got Pizza Dog. Uh, we've got uh, just just Rogers the Musical. Like I almost want to see Rogers the Musical more than I want to see Hawkeye. And I really, 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 really want to see Hawkeye. <laughs> Um, that goes up against Finch, which, like I said, it's on Apple TV Plus, and I, as I mentioned with Macbeth, chances are never going to get it, never going to get it. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so that combined with what I just thought of when I was watching this trailer, it felt to me like it was Twister plus Castaway plus Chappie equals <laughs> zero. That's the amount of points that I'm giving Finch. I'm giving all my points to Hawkeye. Tabitha. Um, I'm not allowed to watch movies with dogs, um, but I love Tom Hanks and I love robots. So I'm very conflicted, but at the end of the day, I'm never going to watch this because the whole time I'm going to be in anxiety hell that that dog is going to die. And I'm not willing to sit through an hour and 40 something minutes of a panic attack about a dog on TV. <laughs> I have better things to do with my time. Um, but I just love Tom Hanks, but I would have to figure out if the dog died before and then I would probably end up looking at a spoiler. And then the whole movie, I would still be anxious that the internet had lied to me. It's just a spiral I can't go down. So I'm giving all of my points to Hawkeye as well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Matt, where you at? Um, this Hawkeye trailer looks fantastic. This Hawkeye trailer reminds me of the trailers we saw for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, Unlike some of the other Disney Plus series, this looks like Disney is making a multi-part film instead of a TV show. Um, it, it looks fantastic. Um, I, I love the holiday setting and the fact that it's coming out around the holiday season, so that will play into it. That's just great. Um, Finch, 
I, I can't disagree with anything Mitch said. It looks like Twister plus Chappie plus Castaway. <laughs> and I just don't, I, I don't know. Like when the robot runs away, is he going to yell Wilson? No. <laughs> um, I, I want to like that because it looks right up my alley as far as the sci-fi dystopian future kind of thing. But it also just looks so bleak and going to cry my eyes out. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go nine points for Hawkeye and one for the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> with a score of 29 to one, uh, Hawkeye beats the dog from Finch. Um, <laughs> That sounded really bad. He's not actually <laughs> being the dog. So, um, the final matchup before the finals, uh, it's Hit Monkey, which is a new Marvel cartoon from uh, Hulu versus Injustice, which is a DC animated movie. Um, Tabitha, let's start with you. Um, so, these are my notes for these, these following things. Injustice, y'all, I just cannot make myself care about anything DC anymore, not even homicidal Superman. <laughs> and then my notes for Hitmonkey just literally says, what the F? <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm going to go five and five because they both look terrible. Um, they did not both look terrible. You're wrong there. Uh, Hitmonkey, uh, that is a comic book that I, I've been a huge fan of Hitmonkey for a long, long time. Uh, when I was first getting back into comic books, there was a limited series of Hitmonkey and it was like a three-issue miniseries. And to this day, I haven't been able to find the third issue, but um, now that I've been reminded of it, I'm going to find it. Uh, I did. I had no idea that this was a thing. I didn't know that they were coming out with the you know, nothing. I was scrolling on Facebook last week or whatever, and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, are you serious? Are you serious? So, um, so yeah, so I, I loved every second of that. Uh, Injustice, I've never, obviously I've never played the games. Um, also haven't really read the comic books, even though they're written by Tom Taylor, who is the current writer for Nightwing and Tom Taylor has quickly become one of my favorite writers. So I might have to go back and give Injustice an actual shot. Um, but that said, the trailer for this was surprisingly really good. Um, yeah, I, I love the idea of a homicidal evil almost Superman. Um, yeah, but still, Hitmonkey, I'm too excited for. So I'm giving that seven points. Injustice gets three. Matt. Uh, so I would heard of Hitmonkey as far as the comic goes. Um, I had no idea that they were doing a Hulu cartoon series. Um it looks like it could be interesting. It also kind of looks like that monkey wants to be John Wick. Um, <laughs> don't don't try to make it lose points. Uh, <laughs> um, it looks kind of interesting, but it also looks like it's trying too hard to be funny. And maybe that's just Jason Sudeikis' character and his voice. I don't know. Um, Injustice looks really interesting because it's almost... To me, it almost looks like a what-if kind of situation in DC. Like, mm, Superman snaps. And what happens? And how are they going to stop him? Because in all reality, he's Superman. 
Um, so I'm going to go seven points for Injustice and three for Hitmonkey. All right, y'all. So it's a tie. At <laughs> 15 to 15, Hitmonkey and Injustice are both moving on. So um, we now have a four-way for the finals. Um, yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> um, so it's going up. We still got 10 points to dole out between Halloween Kills, Hawkeye, Finch, and Hitmonkey. So, Matt, since you did this to us, um, where are your points? Uh, okay. Uh, let's go six to Hawkeye. Two to Halloween Kills. One and one. Yes? Yes. Math is hard. <laughs> um, so Halloween Kills and Injustice both get zero. Um, if they were going up against different movies, they probably would get some points. Um, Hawkeye is getting six points for me, and Hitmonkey gets four. Tabitha. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> I've been doing math all day. My brain is tired of math. Um, I'm giving Finch one for the dog. I'm giving Halloween three. Finch, Finch isn't part of this. Oh, you did say you Finch. Did, say Finch. Did, I, did I say uh, Finch? Yeah, yes. You said Finch. What am I, now I don't okay. even know what I'm doing. Halloween I kills, doing? Halloween kills okay. versus Hawkeye. Okay. Versus Hitmonkey versus Injustice. Oh my god. Now I gotta do more math. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I am so sorry. Alright, I'm just gonna make this easy on myself. I'm gonna give six to Hawkeye, four to Halloween, nothing for anybody else. None for Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> I was gonna have better math, but you broke my brain with your lies. <laughs> All right, so Injustice gets one point. Um, Hitmonkey gets five. Halloween Kills gets eight. And then this week's winner of Trailer Takedown is Hawkeye with 18 points. I'm sure um, at least half of that goes to Rogers the Musical, a.k.a. <laughs> America's, America's Ass the Musical. But, you know. Didn't know I needed a Captain America musical until I saw that on the uh, trailer. Yes. Yes. All right, guys, let's go into the pool list. And before we get into our reviews, a uh, couple bits of news tonight. Um, so Valiant has launched a new Groupies Shadowman Build a Bundle to benefit the Hero Initiative, which is a nonprofit that provides a safety net for comics creators. So now through October 12th, fans can choose from more than 20 Valiant digital comics. Any purchase gets you a discount code for 25% off a purchase from the Valiant store and a purchase of $40 or more gets you a grab bag of assorted Valiant merch worth over $100. Um, yeah, this is really cool. It's for a good cause. Uh, Shadow Man is one of those books that we've had a chance to read and I've kind of gotten interested in. So like I checked out this uh, build a bundle earlier today and I'm like, hmm, I might uh, I might have to do that. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. And definitely a good cause. Yeah. Uh, so Z2 Comics has announced Enter the Blue. Uh, it's written and drawn by Dave Chisholm. 
so it's the story of a former jazz musician named uh, Jesse who is pulled back into the scene while investigating her mentor, uh, Jimmy Hightower's comatose state. She's transported to the blue, a place where ghosts of jazz's past spring to life. Um, this book is expected to release on January 22nd, 2022. Uh, Pre-orders pre are available now on Z2.com. Um, this is by the same guy who did the um, Charlie Parker book. I believe we did end up reading it um, last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Finally, Vault has announced uh, We Ride Titans, which is a new series by Trestine and Sebastian uh, Paris. So Kit Hobbs' family has piloted the Titan, which is a mecha that protects new Hyperion from Kaiju for generations. Uh, Kit is about to find out how hard it is to keep her family from falling apart while fighting giant monsters. Uh, giant monsters plus giant robots. Give it to me now. <laughs> So um, the first book that we're going to talk about is called Memoirs of the Morbid. Um, so this is from Monarch Publishing. They're launching a Kickstarter for this uh, on September 29th. And it's a five-story horror anthology in the style of 40s uh, horror comics. Um, so in a preview of the Trenchcoat Killer, which is we, we got to read a preview of that, it's written by Grant Lankard with art by Valentina Perone. Uh, we meet Jeffrey, whose horror comics are coming to life. Or maybe his mind's just starting to get to him. Um, Matt, what did you think of this one? I am loving this already. Um, I, I really actually like the kind of, not minimalist art style, but like the black and white um, kind of gritty style to go with the horror theme and feel and the vibe behind everything. Um, I am already just looking forward to more pages of this so that we can actually get like a bigger chunk of the story to see the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the, the mental, like psychological aspects of this. There we go. Tabitha, what'd you think? Yeah, I agree with Matt. Like the art of this looks really cool. The little preview that they gave us of all of the stories, like each and every one of them was intriguing. And like, I kind of feel like they're going to do that thing where they all kind of link together. And then we're going to get like, um, like a more like overarching, like feel to it. I don't know. Um, every time we've gotten any like horror comics or horror graphic novels, those have always been some of my favorite things that we've gotten. So I'm really excited for this. Um, so it's no secret. I don't really like uh, black and white comics, but I feel like the style fits this comic perfectly. Um, the preview gives not only a great taste of the trench coat killer, but it also has a uh, like a preview beforehand about uh, the anthology's host, which is the ghoul master, um, who completely reminds me of like the crypt keep keeper from Tales of the Crypt. Yeah. Um, so this <laughs> looks uh this book looks super creepy and i am here for a spooky season uh horror anthology a uh, couple other books just to touch on that we had a chance to read um exo man of war which is out now from valiant it's written by dennis hopeless with art by emilio liso uh so shanahara who is the sentient armor slash computer behind exo man of war is under repair and something just isn't right um 
I become a bigger fan of Exo Man of War every time we get to read an issue. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I, one of the things I really like about this book is like the interaction between all the, you know, main and supporting characters. It, it does, it really feels like they all kind of interact with each other really, really well. Um, I also like the idea of Shanahara being uh, compromised, I guess, but I'm curious to see who or what is behind it. And then uh, finally, um, out now from Tokyo Pop is a, is a, a manga called Would You Like to Be a Family? It's by Koyama. Um, so in, this is a, in the title story of this anthology, uh, Takamura uh, just started at a new job and is content being a loner. That is until he runs into his co-worker, uh, Natsui, uh, at the store. So this is comprised of like three different stories. Uh, I really liked the first two. Um, admittedly, by the last one, I got kind of lost. I don't know if I was just uh, my brine. My brine. That's not a word. That's not a word. <laughs> um, I don't know if my brain just kind of like, I don't know, just started thinking about other things or if I just wasn't into that story as much as the other two. Um, but uh, the story about uh, Takamura, Natsui, and then Natsui's son, Mori, uh, was something straight out of rom-com. Um, it had me yelling at pages talking you know, like about how, like how this character, Oh God, you're being stupid. Why are you being so dumb? You know, whatever. <laughs> um, the second story about Kuma and uh, Yagi uh, did a great job of showing what it's like to be young and still figuring things out. Um, even if it was a little extreme. Um, yeah. Just a little extreme. Sure. All right, guys, let's go into gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight with Matt, and you've got some Fortnite news. Do So really kind of had to talk about this whole story. Um, but a while back, uh, Apple banned Fortnite and, well, Epic Games from <laughs> the App Store. Um they ban Fortnite because um, Apple has a in, inside the Apple system. They take a thirty percent payment fee from any digital transaction done through like the Apple Store. Um, Apple or Epic protested this by creating their own payment option inside the app instead of going through the Apple Store. Um, Apple then removed Fortnite from all iOS devices um, and ended up in a lawsuit. Um, it went to court and basically the judge said that basically the Apple couldn't do that. Um, so then Apple would have to reinstate Fortnite and Epic back into the Apple store. That happened and then basically as Fortnite was supposed to be going back into the Apple store um, Apple said that they rejected Epic's reinstatement uh, the reinstatement of Epic's developer account um, which is it's effectively bans Fortnite from the App Store um, and Apple says that that will be holding true until basically all legal possibilities are exhausted. So all kinds of um, 
appeals and everything through the court system, um, which at this point could be as long as five years. So at this point, Apple has still managed to effectively ban Fortnite from, uh, from the App Store. Um, this whole thing has been a back and forth. It's been a disaster. It hasn't been handled well, I think, from either side of the, um, either side of the argument. Um, so in general, I'm just going to give a thumbs down to this whole shenanigans back and forth. Yeah, agreed. Uh, thumbs down. Apple, you're being greedy. Um, Fortnite, Epic Games, um, you effed around with Apple and found out. So, um, but yeah, thumbs down. Tabitha. <laughs> I just don't know how Epic Games thought this was going to go. Like, yeah. did, they, did you think they just wouldn't notice or something? Like, I just, I don't understand. Um, <laughs> thumbs down. So uh, on Bob Saget's podcast, Scott Bakula said that there are significant talks about Quantum Leap getting a reboot. Uh, no other re- real details. Um, and Bakula doesn't know how much like red tape there is involved. Uh, still, I'm giving this a thumbs up. Uh, Quantum Leap was one of those shows that even though like I watched it when I was a kid and like I didn't really know what was going on if I'm going to be real real but like it was one of those shows that like I just kid Mitch thought was really cool so I'm still here for it Tabitha I didn't know Scott Bakula had a podcast no Bob Saget has a podcast oh Bob Saget has a podcast not Scott Bakula I'm here looking up a Scott Bakula podcast and I'm very disappointed um I love Quantum Leap. Thumbs up. Matt. Um, I, too, love Quantum Leap. Um, I think in part because this was, like, as a kid, like, my parents would be watching Quantum Leap, and I'm, like, a lot of times when you were a kid and your parents were watching TV, they would, like, mute it or change the channel. Like, it was something they didn't think you should be watching. Like, I walked into the room, and they were watching Quantum Leap, and I just got to sit down and watch the TV show with my parents. And I don't know. I thought that was super cool. I was super excited to be watching something that was an adult show, which I mean, I don't know. I really, it's quantum leap, but thumbs up for this. If it happens. Um, Tabitha, let's talk about Netflix getting that giant peach. <laughs> I'm uncomfy. Um, so Netflix has acquired the RDSC, which is the Roald Dahl Story Company, and the rights to the author's entire catalog. Um, No terms or pricing has been released, but three years ago, Netflix paid nine figures for the rights to 16 of Dahl's works. So who knows what this costs. Um, Netflix intends to create a unique universe across animated and live action films, including TV publishing, Games, immersive experiences, live theater, consumer products, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Taika Waititi is working on a series based around the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory world, which we've already talked about. And Netflix is working with Sony and Working Title Productions on a musical or a uh, film release of the musical Matilda. Um, Last year, Netflix released a statement, which was basically an apology for Roald Dahl's... uh, anti-Semitic remarks that he had made in his life. Um, But now they're, you know, now they own the entirety of everything. Um, I'm giving this a thumb sideways. While I would like to see some of my favorite Roald Dahl works 
made that have not been made because you know everybody knows you know the big three like charlie and james and matilda but like there are other smaller stories in that catalog that are honestly in my opinion better i would like to see those brought to life but like this just feels like a lot and i don't know like they're basically creating a Roald doll universe like this is going to be like an mcu universe but it's Roald doll and i don't know how i feel about that or if we need it so like i said thumb sideways Matt. Yeah. I mean, Rural Doll is not like Brandon Sanderson work. In the background, everything connects whether you think it does or not. Like it, Matilda and Charlie and Chocolate Factory and the Big Friendly Giant and James and Giant Peach don't necessarily exist all in the same universe. Like that's not how his books and stories work. So trying to force them together in some sort of cinematic universe i i just don't know if that's a great idea i also don't always think that one company should own the rights to all of a particular like author's catalog um i i I don't know i just feel like those should be divvied out per project to the company that they feel is going to do the best for each project um and this kind of cuts that off the knees so i'm gonna go thumb sideways uh i'm also gonna go thumb sideways although i do kind of want to see like willy wonka with the infinity gauntlet you kind of put that my idea that idea in my head tabitha and i'm here for that so everything else gets a thumbs thumb sideways though uh so in her new uh memoir elvira has come out revealing she's been in a relationship with a woman for the last 19 years uh, they two met at a gym, but didn't start dating until many years later. Uh, the mistress of the dark waited this long to come out because she wasn't sure how her fans would react. Uh, thumbs out or thumbs out. That doesn't make sense, but thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up to Elvira. Um, this is fantastic. Um, slay girl, slay. Uh, Tabitha. Yeah, this is the best news of 2020. What year are we in? 2021 so far. Yay, Elvira. Thumbs up. (laughs) Matt. Uh, So I saw something that was like the best tweet about this entire situation was huge props to Elvira for coming out after 20 years, but even bigger props to her girlfriend who hasn't gone around for the last 19 years going, my girlfriend is Elvira. (laughs) (laughs) How hard could that possibly be? So difficult. So huge thumbs up for all of this. <laughs> yeah, that had to have been like the the worst thing ever for her. Right. <laughs> like and I wonder like how many like conversations like Elvira's girlfriend had with just like, just please let me tell one person. Just tell one. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tabitha, let's talk about all the light you cannot see. So this is the book by Anthony Dorr. Um, I read it last year. It was a book that was published in 2014 and it actually won the 2015 Pulitzer Prize. Um, but it's going to be adapted as a Netflix series. Um, it's going to be a four part part show that's focusing on Marie, who is a blind teenager who is, bl- or who is a teenager who is blind. Um, and Werner, a German soldier, and they're both living in occupied France in during world war ii um and it's kind of about how their 
paths cross and how their stories kind of align, but told in this like super heartbreaking, terribly brilliant way. Um, they have started casting and they're doing a worldwide casting search. Um, they are looking for an actress who is visually impaired to play Marie. Um, I think that was at the request of the author and the, um, the guy who is turning the book into the screenplay um, just for, you know, diversity and, you know, ability sake. But this book destroyed me. Like I was laying on the couch crying so hard I was hiccuping. And I mean, it's, it's occupied France during World War II. Like it's not, it's not a happy book, but it is a book that is full of so much hope considering what is happening around these people and like they both feel like they're on the right side and by the end <clears throat> you don't know who you think is on the right side and it's just ugh, it's just terribly good um however i am gonna have to be very fortified to sit down and watch this this like it, it just I'm, like i'm gonna need a minute uh, and like six boxes of Kleenexes. So this may go on the list of things I can't watch along with dog movies, <laughs> but I'm giving it a thumbs up anyway. <laughs> Matt. There's, I, yes, this book destroyed you. It was watching you sit on the other end of the couch crying as you flipped pages was <laughs> hard for me. And I wasn't reading the book. I still haven't read the book. Um, I love the fact that they're going to search for a visually impaired um, actress to play her role. I think that's fantastic. Um, this is, I, I don't know, it's such a, been such a well-received book that as much as I don't always think that things need to be adapted, um, it, it's definitely a story and done in a way that if you can get this to more people, um, I'm all for that. So I'm going to go thumbs up. Yeah, this sounds beautiful and heartbreaking and everything like that. Uh, but because it sounds so heartbreaking, there is a 0% chance that I'll watch this movie or read the book. Um, yeah, I'm giving you a thumbs up because, yeah, like it, it's it's great on paper, but not, I guess it's not great on paper if I'm not going to read it. But still, thumbs up. <laughs> Uh, Tabitha, let's stick with you and talk about what's going on down at FSU. Um, so they're missing a bunch of comics and literature. They're just, they're just gone. RIP. Um, most of the missing books are from the 1950s through the 1970s and are part of the Robert M. Irvin Jr. collection, which has been like on site at FSU for years. Um, they could have disappeared anytime between March of 2020 and February of 2021. So they were last checked on in March. And when they went, or yeah, and when they went to check them again for their like rotation, they were gone. Um, a local comic seller near the university said that he saw the list of missing comics and estimates that the value could be hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, to quote him, he said, it's some of the most hard to find comic books and what comic book collectors would call us their holy grail. So there's a list floating around of what's missing, but it's not available. I tried to find it, but they're, you know, the FBI is on the case. Um, 
So they're trying to find it. They don't have, they have literally no leads. They, they just like, it literally vanished. I was in the comment section of a news article for a random paper in Florida. Oh God. I know. Right. Where, by the <laughs> way, for being an article about books, everything was misspelled in the comments. Um, <laughs> but people were talking about how like this happens to museum collections when they're not, you know, checked on. And this, somebody was like, well, it's not a museum collection. And it's, it's been on like basically like display, but like back, you know, back display for this library for so long that just nobody thought about it. But yeah, it's missing, and now they've got to figure out where it ended up on the market. Uh, thumbs down for these people. Thumbs down for how you lose something. Like, I get that we were in the middle of a panini and Florida's falling apart at the best of times, but <laughs> thumbs down for Florida, just in general. Just the whole place. Matt? Just, yeah, just thumbs down. I Wow. To lose that, to lose those rare comic books, and oh my, just just thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down. Um, I maintain my innocence. I was nowhere near Florida at all in the past year. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I really hope that Hit Monkey number three wasn't included in that list. <laughs> it's probably where your elusive copy has been. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so a new original graphic novel called Captain America, The Ghost Army. We'll see Cap and Bucky fight zombies in World War II. Um, <laughs> I'm giving this a thumb sideways. I love everything about this except for um, zombies. I love the idea of an original graphic novel. Uh, I love the idea of seeing more stories of Captain America in World War II. But please, no more zombies. Please, please. Please, Tabitha. Yeah, I reiterate everything you just said. Like, give me more Bucky and Cap in World War II. But do we have to do that with zombies? I am so over zombies. Like, when that What If episode aired, <laughs> I rolled my eyes so far into the back of my head that I almost fainted because I'm so tired of zombies. <sighs> so I'm sideways because I want the adventure. I just don't want the zombies in it. Matt. I don't have anything else to add, but thumb sideways. Matt, let's talk about a really, 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 really big TV. So how big a TV is too big? Kind of a rhetorical question, but LG is introducing a direct view LED 325-inch TV. Um, it can go as small as 81 inches all the way up to the, as the article says, frankly intimidating, 325-inch. <laughs> um, it's part of LG's Extreme Home Cinema line. They're for super luxury homes. This 325-inch TV runs $1.7 million, but it comes with custom installation. Oh, well, in that case. And warranty and support chargers. Just, you know, they give it health checks twice a year. Um, 
it has 33 million LED diodes for picture. Right? Yes. Um, and can can run 8K, but basically they said it's going to run 4K. Um, it's going to have a WebOS controller box to help function as a smart TV. And she's rated to last 100,000 hours. So essentially 10 years. Just, just why? Like, there's no. There's just no reason. Um, thumbs down. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, first <laughs> off, I don't even I don't even get two health checks a year. <laughs> Second of all, let's spend uh, uh, how much money? One point four million. One point seven. One point seven. Okay, one point seven million dollars for something that's going to last you hopefully a decade. Um, I know that I'm no financial wizard. Uh, if you look at my bank account, like you will know that I'm no financial wizard, but that <laughs> is a dumb idea. I don't care if I have Jeff Bezos money. I'm not buying that. No, like, uh, no. Thumbs down. Tabitha. For that kind of money, I could buy it and build my own freestanding cinema for all my friends and family and put cushy couches in it and even buy the rights to some old movies and, you know, like, when something is astronomically expensive, I just think about all the things I could do with the money that is not that. And I could do so many things with the money that is not that. So thumbs down. Also, I agree with Mitch. I don't get two wellness checks a year. Why does my TV need a wellness check? <laughs> I mean, if, if a doctor came to my home and like would visit me here, I'd be more than likely, I'd be more willing to be like, okay, I got my health check. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the problem. I need like, home visits back for doctors like tvs get them so why can't i <laughs> medical system is flawed in this country yes <laughs> so our last story for gut reaction before we get to our last story of the night is tabitha's and we're going to visit the baby yoda news desk <laughs> so i never thought i'd have a baby yoda news desk where i started it out with arizona cardinals quarterback kyler murray um, but he channeled the baby, he channeled baby Yoda by sitting in lotus position, uh, toward the back of the end zone after running in a 12 yard touchdown in late in the second quarter against the Vikings. Um, Kyler has now said after the internet was like, Oh my God, baby Yoda, that he's never watched star Wars. I'm just going to read this, uh, charming quote. I never watched star Wars before I got to my phone and I see people talking about baby Yoda, but I had no clue what that was. I wasn't listening to do, I wasn't intending to do that. I've never watched Star Wars before, so I don't know. It's too long. So linebacker Chandler Jones fed into the frenzy by going on Twitter and saying, great team win. Baby Yoda went off, though, on Twitter. <laughs> um, and the coach was basically like, I think you could learn a lot from watching <laughs> from watching Star Wars. <laughs> like in reference to how Luke Skywalker, you know, kind of like pulls himself up by the bootstraps. So... He was just, he was meditating, but we live in a day and age where when someone meditates, most people's instant thought now is baby Yoda, I guess. I don't, I don't know how I like that that is what's changed our narrative as a human, as a human race, but here we are. Um, I'm giving his reaction to this a thumbs up because like, he was like, what? I, what? Who's baby Yoda? But also my man, go watch Star Wars. Matt. Uh, how 
do you not know what Baby Yoda in Star Wars is? Like, I he's a football player, man. He doesn't have time to do anything to play football. But they got plenty of time to do things other than play football. Thumbs down. Yeah, I mean, to to his benefit, like you know, I just I just looked up the the picture in question, and like, yeah, if you didn't have the the picture of Baby Yoda right underneath, like, I don't think that I would have originally like made the Baby Yoda connection. But like, but even if you haven't seen Star Wars, you know who Baby Yoda is. I mean, come the f on, thumbs down. I've never been on the internet in his whole life. Yeah. He's a football player. He's on the internet. <laughs> Just a very, very different internet. Oh. <laughs> so speaking of things on the internet, um, my last story of the night. Um, I don't know if you guys saw these pictures. I hope you did. Um, so Lil Nas X uh, released his album Montero recently. Uh, the cover features a nude Nas, or Mr. X if you're nasty, uh, behind a vibrant background. So none other than the Teletubbies tweeted their support of the album uh, with all four Teletubbies, or Mr.'s Tubbies if you're nasty. Um, <laughs> so uh, Recreating the album cover and asking to be featured on the next one. So Lil Nas X responded, quote, all right, bet me and Tinky Winky on the hook, Dipsy and Poe on the verses, and we'll let Lala do the outro. This is phenomenal. Like, I, I don't understand why anybody involved with the Teletubbies social media team, which also I don't know why anybody is on a Teletubbies social media team. Why does Teletubbies need a social media team? Um... <laughs> But, like, I don't know who on that team thought that this was a great idea, but holy hell, this was a great idea. Yeah, I had forgotten about Teletubbies. Like, I think I had blocked Teletubbies from my mind. And then I saw this pop up and I was like, what is that? Who are the Teletubbies? And then, like, I saw them and I was like, oh, my God. And it was like, you know, you see a vision in your head and it's like in a movie and it's like a montage. And I was like seeing like the whole Teletubbies, like craze that happened and then, like randomly somebody got me one at a birthday party and it was stuff really freaked out by it and it was the yellow one and when I put it in my room I made it face the wall because I was afraid it was gonna get me and so <laughs> these things creep me out like real hard in the baby and the head and the sun and the weirdness but like if anything was gonna be as weird as Lil Nas X it was gonna be Teletubbies like I didn't have it on my 2021 bingo card but here we are <laughs> And like in the middle of the uh, the Teletubby craze, I'm sure you guys remember like when everyone was saying that Tinky Winky was gay because he had a purse or whatever. Um, so like, I just wonder like when the rumors are going to start flying that Lil Nas X and Tinky Winky are dating. No. <laughs> Give the internet like five minutes. Uh, Lil Nas X is Lil Nas X is going to start being called Twinky Winky. I'm just thinking how you can ship that name. Lil Nas Wink? Ew. <laughs> Lil Nas Tink? Ew. That's bad. <laughs> Wink Nas? Ew. <laughs> there's, there's, no good, there's no good company. Wink Nas sounds like a... 
Alice in Wonderland monster. <laughs> yeah. T-X. That sounds like Tinkerbell got an OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tink XXX. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we are uh i think we're total on i think if we keep on this trade like things are gonna go very bad very quickly yeah so this is probably just as good a time as any to stop <laughs> yeah so that's gonna do it for this episode of the geek awakens uh we'll hopefully be back next week because i shouldn't have anything going on that would you know cause me to be like hey guys let's not have a show for like seven more weeks i hope <laughs> um but in the meantime check us out on social media um while you're there give us some feedback tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on any questions comments or concerns then shoot us an email at the geek awakens podcast at gmail.com Ooh, that was awful. uh from all of us at the geek awakens thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time everybody say bye bye, bye.